Welcome to the Ascent Church Podcast. We want to come alongside you, so be sure to subscribe and never miss new content. And after the podcast, check out some past content that will be sure to encourage and challenge you. Y'all, we love it when you check in on social media and let us know where you're listening from. Enjoy today's message. We're going to go to the book of Matthew. If you brought a Bible, you can open it or you can look right up here on the screen behind me or an app on your phone. We're going to go to Matthew 28. This is an early eyewitness account about the life, teaching, death, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, 1. It says, After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week. Anyone thankful we didn't do a sunrise service? Okay, maybe next year, not this year. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. You can barely read this without smiling. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. They shook and became like dead men. They were shook. Tell your neighbor, they were shook. They were shook. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you're looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Some of the most profound words in all of human history uttered right here. He's not here. He's risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Somebody say, come and see. Now, this is the most important question you'll have to answer in your entire life. Is Jesus is who he says he is? That's it. Plain and simple. And growing up, I always thought the tomb was open so Jesus could get out. I always thought he was resurrected and he was kind of like stuck in there. And he couldn't get out. And they rolled the stone and he's like, great, thank you. And he walked out. But actually, if you look closely, the, 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 the stone was not rolled away for Jesus to get out. It was for us to get in. It was for you and me and them to come and see, to take a look, to take a peek, to ask questions. I want you to know the tomb was open then and the tomb is still open today. I want you to know God is big enough for your doubts. God's big enough for your hard questions. God's big enough for your insecurities and your past. And these questions, you gotta wrestle with them. You gotta look at them. Don't do a 15-minute YouTube video. Don't have a great aunt who is mean to you and forced you to go to church and say, for the rest of my life, Jesus, this whole Jesus thing is a sham. Look at this, come and see. And I wanna invite you, if you're local, to come back and let's explore this stuff together. Let's explore faith together. If you're not local, if you're in town, don't write this off. Find a good Bible-based church where you are or subscribe to our YouTube channel, subscribe to our podcast just to get started. Come and see is the most important question. And that tomb is still open. Verse seven, it says, then go quickly. You see some urgency and tell his disciples he's risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I've told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb. I love this phrase, afraid yet filled with joy. One more time, afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples, do you see the range of emotions? There's uncertainty. They're a little inquisitive. They're shocked. Some people are shook. Some people are afraid. Some people are filled with joy. Now, when I read this, some of you smiled, but nobody here was shook. Nobody here fell out. Nobody here got up and ran off and said, I can't believe this. Um, the new Doctor Strange movie's coming out soon. <laughs> Is anybody excited? 
that got a better reaction than the, the text I just read. Any nerds got their seats already? You nerds. I'm just jealous I haven't got mine yet. I saw Spider-Man No Way Home when it came out months ago. I saw it. Anybody see that? Okay, if, if anyone hasn't seen it, I feel like I've given you enough time where I shouldn't be able to spoil it. You should know the, the surprises, but I don't want to spoil it for you. Here's what I'm trying to say. I saw it with a friend of mine. We each have kids. The kids stayed at home. It was not for them, and this was for us. Me and my friend, grown men, we went to see the movie, and there are some surprises in Spider-Man No Way Home. There's some surprises. So people who aren't supposed to be there were there some guest appearances, and I'm going to tell you, I was shook. I was emotional. Me and my friend, this girl, mate, we were punching each other, and we were like, eee! we were squealing like little girls, okay? I was so hyped. And if you saw Spider-Man, you may have squealed too. There it is. But you didn't squeal when I read this. You didn't squeal. Nobody squealed here. The theme for this Easter is that this changes everything. And what we're going to do, we're not going to look, last year we did this, we're we're, we're not really going to look at what the resurrection, that it happened or why it happened. We're going to look at what the resurrection means. Because Jesus said he was the first fruits, the first installment. And if you're in Christ, he was resurrected bodily. This awaits your future if you're in Christ. So we're going to look at what the resurrection means. We're going to look at a case study, how resurrection impacted a certain family and how it can impact your family. And I hope by the end of this, you'll be squealing. We're going to go to Mark chapter 5, verse 22. Mark is also an early eyewitness account of Jesus' life, teaching, death, and resurrection. It says, then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him. He said, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Now, it's a long story here. He, he's on the way to heal this girl, and he stops. He stops, and this woman was sick for a long time, and he has this conversation with her, and here's her testimony, and, and he, he heals her, and it's great, but a long time passes, and here's what happens. Verse 35, jump down to there. It says, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Somebody say teacher. That's important. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid, just believe. Jesus was on a path, he was on a journey to do something very unlikely, very impossible, raise someone from the dead or heal someone. That's what he's gonna do. And someone came in midway and said, hey, stop, she's dead, it's over. What's the point? Go home, quit, it's over. What's the point anymore? Now, some of you are in the exact same situation in your life. God has you on a journey. And it could be a struggle in your marriage. It could be a financial thing. It could be a diagnosis. It could be doubt or anxiety or depression. But you're on this journey. You're going to a place and some voice broke in and said, what's the point? It's dead. It's over. It's done. Give up. That could have been the devil himself. It could have been society, culture, your ex, your past. I don't know who it was. But someone's going to come and say, what's the point? What could God possibly do through this? But friends, because of Easter, I came to announce God is not done with you yet. God is not done with you yet. Don't be afraid. Just believe. I came to speak to someone struggling with fear and I came to tell him, don't be afraid. Just believe.
I wanted to speak to someone wrestling with doubts and tell them, don't be afraid, just believe. I wanted to speak to someone in the midst of an uncertain time in life and speak over you Jesus' words, don't be afraid, just believe. You have no idea what God can do and will do when he shows up. That's Easter. That's Easter. Because of Easter, we, can, we know that God is not done with you yet. He's not done. He's a God of resurrection. He's a God of new beginnings. Verse 38. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. Now, at our funerals in our culture, we take pride in being very quiet. People say, oh, she handled it well. And we're very kind of reserved and quiet and we keep it together. Not in that culture. That they wailed and cried and it was, it was, a, it was quite a scene. It was, it was chaotic, Okay. It was quite chaotic. People crying and wailing loudly. He went in. He went in and he said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. Not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. Somebody said they laughed. They laughed. They went from weeping to laughing when Jesus entered into this situation. Now, I want to go back to verse 35 real quick. That word I made you say, teacher. They called him teacher. Did you see that? They said, don't bother the teacher anymore. Don't bother the rabbi. And that's a term of respect. Don't bother the teacher. She's dead. Don't, what could he do? Don't, don't bother him anymore. Some of you have not invited Jesus into your life because that's all you think he is, a teacher. That's all you think he is. And you think you could go to him if you need some advice, if you need a boost, if you need some encouragement. You think, I'm doing pretty good. But if I need a little bump, a little boost, I'll go to Jesus and he'll give me some advice. He'll give me some, some, some things to do to try harder in. And if I do that, I'll be good. That's all I need him for. I want to tell you the difference between religion and the gospel. If Jesus to you is just a teacher and just gives you wise sayings that you have to do, you're basically earning your own salvation. And a lot of us don't understand Christianity. We put it on the shelf with all other religions. And at the heart of religion is this, you must save yourself. You must check these boxes. You must do these things. You must do more good than bad. You have to perform. You do good, you give it to God, and then God has to bless you. He has to give you prosperity. He has to give you happiness and joy, and he has to carry you into heaven. That's so a lot of us feel that Christianity is. That's what a lot of people think religion is. Jesus is just a teacher. He's just going to give me advice, and if I do well, he'll carry me to heaven. The problem with religion is this. You never know if you're doing good enough. You live a life of insecurity and fear. You live a life of comparison. You're constantly looking over your shoulder. Did I perform well enough today? Did I drop the ball enough today? Did I go to church? Did I read my Bible enough today? And if you're in a religion mindset, if you're doing well, you tend to be filled with pride. I earned it. God loves me. And you tend to look down on others. You're filled with pride who don't do what you do. Now, the opposite is also true. If you're having a bad week, if you drop the ball, if you freak out a little too much on your kids, granted, they are crazy. But if you overreact a little too much, you feel like maybe God doesn't love me. Maybe I'm out. If you're in a religion mindset, if Jesus is just a teacher, you're going up and down. You're always looking over your shoulder. You have high highs and low lows. Religion basically says, I have to climb the ladder, climb the mountain to get to God. The gospel, Christianity, is not climb the ladder up to God, climb the mountain up to God. The gospel is that God came down from heaven to earth to find you. It's radically different. 
Religion says do. Gospel says done. Religion says perform and maybe God will bless you. The gospel says that Jesus takes his perfect record of righteousness and gives it to you if you trust and believe in him. They're radically different. Good days, bad days, you're just as loved. You're just as confident. And out of that, you can love others. Out of that, you can serve. Out of that, you can live your life. Friends, the gospel is this that you're more sinful and flawed than you'd ever dare believe. But at the exact same time, because of what Jesus did for you on the cross, you're more loved and accepted and cherished than you could ever dare hope. That's the good news. That you are broken. You are dead in your sins. But God made a way where there seemed to be no way. He saved you. He rescued you. What does Easter mean? What does resurrection mean? It means Jesus Christ is not just a teacher. Jesus Christ is the one who turns weeping into laughter. And if you meet him, if you honest to God meet him and invite him in, every little bit of weeping, mourning, insecurity, be transformed into laughter. Look what he does. He says, after he put them all out, Sends everyone out. Go, go away. We need some quiet. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He entered into the darkness. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. This phrase is a cute little pet name. Did anyone have a southern grandmother? Did she call you something sweet? Like honey lumps sugar bear mine call me sug which is short for sugar right this word he uses is not the 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 translation's correct but it almost softens it it says little girl get up he's basically saying honey it's time to wake up sug sweetie it's time to get up it's time to get up 42 immediately the girl stood up began to walk around. Now she was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. What does Easter mean? What does the resurrection mean? It means that death does not have the final word. Jesus has the final word. If you come to church here, you've heard this story a few times, but I've specifically wanted to save it for today in its fullness This passage I wanted to preach on Easter for several reasons. The main one is that I had a daughter who was very sick. Little Eva, you saw in that picture, the cute little girl. She was born in November and she was in the NICU. She was in the ICU for 38 days. She was on life support for 38 days, basically. Ventilators and feeding tubes and chest tubes because her lungs kept basically deflating. She had pneumonia and she had an infection and she had sepsis and she had um, persistent pulmonary hypertension. You don't even know what that means. Her lungs and her heart, everything was just bad. Everything was, she was very, very sick. Very sick. I think we have a picture. Even though she was sick, she was still wicked cute. I started with her feeding too. And it was the hardest season of our lives. 
And this passage, this passage, I wanted to save this for Easter because this passage I read by her bedside over and over and over again. Verse 23, he pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. I prayed that over and over and over and over, over and over. I read it over and over and I prayed it over and over. One of the hardest things, not only the uncertainty, but is that we couldn't hold her. It's probably 20, 25 days we couldn't hold her. All you could do is what they call a hand hug. You could put your hand on her and that was the extent of it. We couldn't hold our baby girl. And to be completely honest with you and vulnerable with you, we weren't sure if we would ever hold our baby girl alive. Her condition was so bad, they had so much medication and intervention, found out after the fact that she had only about a 10% chance of ever leaving the hospital. It was bad. It was dire. And the doctors at CHKD, God bless them, but they, they weren't, they weren't misleading to show how, how very serious it was. A friend of mine asked me a few weeks in, he said, dude, how are you even getting through this? Very real, very honest. He said, how are you standing? How are you getting through this? How? And I wanna look you in the eye. I want you to know I am not stronger than anyone. I'm not better than anyone. I don't believe I have more faith than anyone. You want to know how I got through it? There's this old hymn. And we should have sang it today. We're not. Maybe next Easter. It's from my childhood. And it sums up how I got through what I believe up to this point was the worst season of my life. It says this. It says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Y'all got me wanting to break out in song right now. The next one, I'm not going to sing. You all will leave. It says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. The next line, it says, because he lives, all fear is gone. Now, in principle, that's true. But I'm not gonna try to convince you that if you give your life to Jesus, that you'll never be afraid again, you'll never have doubts again. I'm not, I don't think that's what it's saying. It's saying that because he lives and reigns forevermore, he's alive, he's on the throne, he's with me, he has a plan, even when I can't see it or understand it, he is risen. What got me through, as crazy as it sounds, is the doctrine of the resurrection. This passage, Easter, this because the, the doctrine of the resurrection is this, either that my daughter, which she did, thank God, she could have gotten healed in the hospital and we could have carried her home. And I could have held her and kissed her and, and she would call me daddy one day and we would play together and hold hands. That's one option, that's what happened. Thank God he healed her. But the other option, the doctrine of the resurrection says this, if she did go to be with the Lord, I would still get to hold her one day. I fully believe she would still call me daddy one day. That little face with those little blue eyes would look me in the eye one day and nothing could ever separate us.
That is the power of the resurrection. Friends, I want to ask you, what has sin stolen from you? Has sin stolen some time? Has sin stolen some hope? Has sin stolen some health? Has it stolen your marriage? Has it stolen something? What has sin stolen from you? The resurrection means we get it all back. That is the power of this. Scripture does not end, go read it, with us being these ghosts in togas and harps floating up to heaven. It ends with heaven coming down. The resurrection means that God is committed to the restoration and the renewal of this world and your physical body and your relationships. Do you feel the power of that? Back in the day, we had a thing called VCRs. (laughs) If you're young, don't you lie to me. Who who had a VCR? Who knows what VCR is? Yeah. Who knows Be Kind, Rewind? (laughs) Who's heard of Blockbuster? A few of you guys. They would charge you if you didn't rewind. That's why they're out of business. (laughs) Netflix don't mind if I don't scroll the little thing back. They don't care. I know this sounds crazy if you're younger, but when things would break in the old days, you know what we'd do? We would fix them. <laughs> we would, we'd fix them. There was actually a TV repairman. He'd come to your house. He'd be late, but he'd come. You could drop it off too if you, were, if you wanted to. He'd fix your TV, he'd fix your VCR, he'd fix it, he'd repair it, give it back to you, good as new. Nowadays, we don't think like this phone breaks you're like I wanted a new one anyway TV's broken you're straight to target our God isn't looking at your brokenness your pain your lostness and saying let's just throw it out he's saying I have come to make them whole I hope you see the power in that. Our friend Tim Keller says this, resurrection is not just consolation, it is restoration. Eternity isn't, well, things went wrong, here's something to make up for it. It is a restoration, it's a renewal. We get it all back. The love, the loved ones, the goods, the beauties of this life, but somehow, and don't ask how, I don't understand all the details, in new, unimaginable degrees of glory and joy and strength. That's the power of the resurrection. And Jesus is the first fruits. Raised fully, raised bodily. And if you are in him, this is what awaits you. But how did this happen? God had to enter into our darkness. Jesus came, the Son of God, and he entered into our darkness, into our pain and our lostness and our loneliness. And this little story is a little microcosm is what he's going to do, I believe, for every single family, every single individual in Christ. Everyone. Jesus did miracles from a distance. He's done that. He's spoken words and people miles away were healed. He intentionally showed the gospel. He showed what he did. He came into their darkness, into their weeping, into their mourning, into their pain, and he touched and renewed and restored. Jesus Christ took on death 
to rescue you from death. And now he lives and reigns forevermore. My friends, he is risen. And because he lives, you can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you that you, you, your son, you're the one who turns weeping into laughter. I thank you, God, that you're a God of restoration and renewal. That you want to renew us, redeem us, starting now, but through eternity. You want to fix the brokenness of this world. You want to heal our marriages. You want to heal our mental health. You want to heal our bodies. You want to heal this broken world. I thank you, God, you didn't toss it in the trash. Not a single one of us deserves you. But you came yourself. You took on brokenness to make us whole. You took on death so that we may live forevermore. If anyone in this house today, in the house or online, if you could say, you know what? I thought religion was, I thought Christianity was just a religion. I thought it was just about obeying the rules and trying to impress God. If you realize today that it is a gospel, it's good news. And that he saves you as a radical act of free grace. Not in the future, but now, today, in this moment. If you say, that's something I need. That's something I want. But if you don't know how to ask for it, simply pray this prayer. With your heads down, with your eyes closed, from your heart to him. Pray silently, Father God, I want to know you. I repent from running my life. I'm going to ask you to run it. I give you my brokenness, my darkness, my shame. Give me light and life forevermore. Accept me not based on what I've done, but based on what Jesus has done for me. If anyone prayed that prayer in the house or online, we'd love to know about it. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. But I want to know here and now so I can pray for you specifically. If you're online, let us know in the comments. If you're in the house, I want you to do something brave with all heads down, with all eyes closed. I want to pray for you right now. If you gave your life to Jesus today in this moment, would you do something a little bold, a little brave? He did something bold for you. Would you hold your hand up in the air right now if you gave your life to Jesus for the first time today? Because I want to pray for you specifically. Praise God, you may put your hands down. Father God, for the hands up in the air all over the room, I ask you to fill them with your Holy Spirit. Give them life, give them newness, give them eternity in a way only you can. We love you, we praise you, we thank you for Easter, we thank you for the resurrection, we thank you God for the resurrection we will experience if we are in you. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you. In Jesus' sweet name, we praise you. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our heart is to reach as many people as possible with the life-changing truth of the gospel. Will you take a few seconds to rate this podcast? Also, if you know someone who needs some encouragement, would you consider sharing this with them? Thank you for subscribing, and we'll see you soon.